Hi, I'm Danny Belvin. And I'm Danica Brown. And we're biracial unicorns. And binge watching is our defense method. It's true. It's just Mm -hmm. a defense mechanism Mm -hmm. in this world. When it gets too much. What are you binge watching right now? Uh, I don't even want to say. I'm, (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I'm always disappointed in my binge watching, but I'm super loyal. Even if I hate it, I have to finish it. And I don't hate it. I'm not, I'm confused of where it's going. I just finished watching. Surprisingly, I didn't even know how I fit in with my schedule. Like, um, the third season of Dear White People. Oh, Ian, my husband, is super into that show. I haven't watched it, though. It, it, I mean, I, I haven't watched the movie that it was based off of. I got some high highs. I have some low lows. What We could probably have a whole episode talking about it. I, ha- I think it had some interesting themes. I like the styling of it. <laughs> like, I don't... When I had the last episode, it felt really kind of anticlimactic, which I don't know if they're just gearing up for another season. Oh, that's every show ever, and I hate yeah. it. Yeah, but the thing is, like, with this, I'm like, ooh, you know, this is your third season. Are you guaranteed a fourth? Do you know for sure you're having a fourth? Do not leave me hanging. I'm very sensitive about this. Um, it's yeah. your, your abandonment issues coming out. Yeah, exactly. I mean, don't, don't. I really get super insecure when a show just kind of leaves me hanging. But yeah, I just, I'm about to start Glow whenever I have a second Mm. because, well, you just gotta, but um, because I'm basic. But what are you binging right now? I am currently rewatching Veronica Mars. Hmm. Is it? I have not seen it. Oh, I loved Veronica Mars when it came out. And there's a, a new season that just came out and I was going to watch that, but then I was like, oh, I need a refresher before I, I jump into the newest season. So I I've started at the beginning. I'm on like episode eight. So by the time this episode drops, I'm sure I've will have watched all of it, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm really, I'm really enjoying it. It came out in 2004 mm-hmm. originally. So I'm also just living for the fashion. Yeah, even just in 2004, I'm really tired of there being like a quicker gap in between where you can be like, oh, that's so 2010. I'm like, that is very irritating and also accurate. Yes, (laughs) but 2004 was 15 years ago. Can you not do math right now? It's old. (laughs) (laughs) It's really irritating when you just like do math like that. It really hurts. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Math hurts you. But I love because it's like Kristen Bell is the main, the lead. Mm -hmm. She plays Veronica Mars. And she's older than we are. But we were already graduated from high school then. But she was playing a high schooler. So I I feel so hyper aware of that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, she's just like one of those people like, is it Ellen Page? They they Mm. can just play somebody younger. It's they look, they look young. I mean, Kristen Bell looks good. Mm. She can play young still, I think. I don't think she could play a high schooler, but she could yeah. still play pretty young. I think and so. It's partially she's just such a small person. She's uh, like 5'1 or something. Oh, daggone it. Like, that's exactly like Helen Page. I, I watched her in the Umbrella Academy, and I'm like, this woman could still oh, play. I know. 
super like she just got like the not only does she have the frame obviously but she has like the young vulnerability like there's just a look of a young person that you know where you can just kind of pick them out in a lineup I'm like tech on it you go ahead and take that to the bank all yeah. day but yeah i love both Kristen bell and ellen page like mm-hmm. i love ellen page she's so feisty and mm-hmm. awesome and just as like unapologetically herself and i love that about her in any interview i see or anything i i read that she's written and then Kristen bell is just like seems like such a genuinely good person and i know it's like she's a celebrity so who actually knows but she seems like such a genuinely good person and a nice person and i don't know i like her look at that now we've learned something about you my my uh, some of my closest friends were like desperately trying to get me to watch uh, Veronica Mars like oh there might be a movie there's this and that and I think like I was always like yeah I'll put it on my list yeah sure yeah I totally will and just never did it's like very film noir style Ooh. which is really cool and you know a teen detective and it's pretty good I mean it's it's I wouldn't say it's like very diverse but for like 2004 it's pretty diverse like hmm. her her closest friend is a black guy there's like a, a Latino character, but he's kind of like, you know, the troublemaker with a heart of gold sort of uh, guy. Yeah. Who's <laughs> like the head of a bike gang. I was about to say, is he a pickpocket? <laughs> was he a skilled pickpocket? <laughs> yeah. It's set in like the fictional town of Neptune, California, where all the like movie stars and rich people live. So a lot of the cast are like rich white kids, right? Mm, my but, favorite. Like, Veronica isn't, but she was like part of that group for a while. That's kind of where it starts. Like she has has been outside of that group again following the death of her best friend who was one of them and mm. her her father who was the sheriff like accused her best friend's dad of killing killing her and it it led to this huge like thing where he lost his job and oh, Veronica snap. lost all of her friends and they have like their own like private eye detective agency now. It, it's it's a good show. Like I recommend right. it if people haven't seen it because I think it's fun and really kind of smart. Hmm. All right. Well, we're not getting sponsored by Netflix, but you should go binge both of those things and let us know what you think. It's very it's, like it's not on Netflix. The- I don't think. Oh, is it not? I thought it was. No, it's on Hulu because oh. the new season is through Hulu, so I think all of it is on Hulu. Oh, you with your? Oh, we don't have Hulu here, so spoiled. It might be a Netflix in another country. Like Maybe. it's it's crazy that the offerings are so different country to country. So it actually, it really, really is. But regardless, find them, watch them, and tell us about it. <laughs> Two very opposite side of the spectrum. Something for everybody. Yes. But as much as I'd love to talk about Veronica Mars all day, (laughs) that's not, in fact, what this episode's about. Oh, if only. No, we're doing something way more lighthearted and enjoyable. Um, We're going to be talking about religion. Yay! (laughs) Exactly. Because this is polite dinner company. Exactly. Your aunt that you haven't seen in a couple of years from arkansas is coming to visit go ahead and just put this episode on in the background while you make her favorite dish you're welcome um but no we 
we have been having like a series of episodes that I think we should just kind of like name do not play with a large family crowd. <laughs> I think we should just been like, if you want to open up some stuff, listen to these episodes. Um, but we, we kind of touched on it slightly and trying to get better about going back to things we say we want to open up about, you know, abortion and people with religious issue towards it. But I, it really got me personally thinking about the relationship between race and religion and kind of want to talk about it. This is one of those points, once again, where we're kind of on opposite sides of the spectrum. And I really enjoy when we get to have those conversations. So it would be nice to kind of expand on that um, idea a little bit more and just have a good, good conversation about it. Yeah. And it's something that I feel like still, and maybe it's even worse than ever, but it's something people are not really comfortable talking about, particularly outside of their their own in-group for, for religion, right? It seems like things could get heated. I don't know. I've never had a heated in-person conversation about religion before. Oh, nope. That's a lie. That's a lie. Never mind. <laughs> I have. I literally give you two whole minutes. I'm like, I don't, I'm not buying it. But I'm also I don't I'm not with you all the time. But I was <laughs> I was gonna be like I bet you have at least once in your life. I have had a few, and some of them I handled well, and then some of them I wish I could go back and handle them better. I don't have a lot of friends who are deeply religious. Like I have a few, so I guess there just isn't even that opportunity <laughs> to have those conversations. I guess. Mm. Yeah, because I was I was thinking about it like. I don't have any like like you. I have a friend who's very Catholic, like surprisingly Catholic. So him and I often talk about religion. But mm. aside from that, I I don't think I have the people closest to me are all kind of atheist agnostics. Mm. Is that just you think because of the field you particularly are in, or just like people who are in your circle? It's just you naturally have you naturally kind of just bond with people who have like that similar kind of background, do you think? Mm, it's hard to say, right? Like it could be the field. Like most of my my friends who I see are people who I know from theater. So it could be, you know, the arts. I don't know. I don't know. Hmm, it's a good well, question. Because let me tell you, if you are a believer and you're in the arts, you definitely get some side eye. But I'm actually I I know we touched on it slightly before I think some of in our in our earlier works because I can say that now. Um, what was a little bit about your upbringing? Yeah, so I was raised Catholic, like, and that's I think that's something that sets me apart too from a lot of the people who I I know who tend to be not religious and not raised in a religion like they may have been baptized or gone to church like for you know christmas and easter or something but most of the people who i know now who are not religious were not seriously brought up in a religious environment whereas you know i definitely went to church every week took catechism classes, took, you know, other like youth group classes, did the whole there's a thing in the Catholic Church where you go to church like the first Friday of the month for however uh -huh. many months is a thing. Um, I did that with my grandmother. My grandmother goes to church every day. My mother tries to go to church every day. Like <laughs> my family is very, very Catholic. And that was what I was brought up in. Uh -huh. When did you feel that was not for you. I don't know. I think 
probably my early teens was when I was really like, I don't know. I had a lot of questions oh. <laughs> from a very young age. I know it's very surprising. I'm shocked. <laughs> I had a lot of questions that people I feel like the responses were never handled well that mm. I think I was always kind of skeptical but I think by like my my early teens I was kind of done with church it's an interesting thing for me to talk about religion because I I am like I I ride that atheist agnostic line mm. Definitely. And I, I would never say I'm like, I'm a spiritual person, even if I'm not religious, like that's not who I am. But I would say that I'm culturally Catholic. <laughs> like mm. it's such a part of, of my family and my upbringing and who I was that like I can't not claim it. And it's still part of who I am, even though I it's been a while since I've gone to church. I think <sighs> maybe the last time I was in church was two years ago a year ago and it was for a friend's funeral so it's not mm. like I go regularly but yeah so I was I was raised Catholic but it was my early teens that I kind of gave up on it so I, I've, I've actually never been confirmed which is one of the oh. sacraments of the Catholic Church so I've been baptized I took my first Holy Communion but I I was never confirmed um, which is something that my grandmother never lets me forget because <laughs> she is a good abuela <laughs> yes yes that is, you know, it, it, it's interesting that you bring up culturally, because even when doing research with that, you're finding people trying to make sure that they separate, like, what is race, what is culture, and what is religion. But especially, I think, um, when you're dealing where we are in the Southwest, that is very much part of, like, Mexican Latino background is Catholicism. You know, I was trying so desperately like not to get into the history so much of it, but it's a deeply complicated, interwoven history of how we even have these religions in this particular neck of the woods. But it's like, what's it over 70%? I think of people who claim to be technically underneath the, you know, the Mexican and, and Latinx community portray or say that they are underneath the branch of Catholicism which it's this massive how I mean I can't see how you wouldn't be able to still claim it so when you I say I don't know if that number's right Tamika maybe it is but in the US like at least the last census or whatever 2010 it was only 55% which I think is was was shocking um when that came out because I think there are a lot of ties within the Latino Chicano culture that are deeply tied to Catholicism. But it's those numbers are are dropping. And I think today, like there's there is this statistic that I read that one in four adult Latinos are consider themselves former Catholics. So like a lot of us are raised in Catholicism and then kind of lose it as we get older. Uh, but I would say within my own family, actually, because, you know, I have like a large family, large extended family, pretty much everyone is still Catholic, I think, except for me and my sister. <laughs> so that's interesting well i was going off of a, a pure research.org uh, which talks about like generating for underneath christianity so maybe it was more so for christians maybe not necessarily underneath the catholic branch that is a really interesting um how so how do you 
how do you separate that? Or what I guess, what do you mean by saying it's so much a part of you or you can't completely separate that? Is it something like acknowledging uh, certain holidays or what does that mean to you? The holidays, it's also just kind of when we talk about cultural competency, which we talked about with mental health, right? Mm hmm. I think because so many of us were raised in it, a lot of our beliefs and values are like deeply seated in Catholicism, even if we aren't practicing Catholics. You know, there's the joke of Catholic guilt, <laughs> guilty yeah. about everything. Um, and, and I think that that's, that's real <laughs> to a certain extent. But yeah, I, I think there's like the religions and or the religions, the holidays and certain practices that are still very, very rooted in the religion and, you know, like family gatherings and, and those sorts of things. Like, like even families have... I think traditions that are tied to religion. Like my family does a big uh, rosary every year mm -hmm. where they pray the rosary and it's, it's like extended family, like way extended family. So mm -hmm. it's like always like this huge, huge group. And um, my grandmother used to always be the one who would lead it. In, like when I was growing up and I remember one year, Oh, this is a fun story about, Danny not feeling very religious. Uh, I was still like fairly religious. Like I, I didn't mind going to church and I did things like it, in my first communion, I did one of the readings, which is like a big deal, you know, because there's only three readings and then that sort of thing. So my grandmother would have me help her lead the rosary. And uh, I must have been whew, maybe 11. Mm. We were praying the rosary and like, I don't know for sure what it was, but I think it was like some of the cand candles were vanilla scented instead of unscented. And oh, I got no. so sick that and I was like trying to not be sick because I knew like we were supposed to be doing this thing. But like trying to hold it in made me more sick. And so then I just like threw up. Um, mm. while we were pray praying the rosary, oh, no. which was terrible. But also, I think something that kind of triggered me, <laughs> so the reaction to it was my family, everyone being like, oh, sometimes when you have a really religious experience, like these things happen. And I'm like, I didn't have a religious experience. Like it was just the smell of the candles. Um, <laughs> so I, I feel like that was a thing like where I was like, oh, yeah, I'm not really like super invested in it in the way that my my family is i think mm, interesting but why do you feel that um uh, people who profess catholicism predominantly like latinx and uh, mexicans are leaving the faith and or converting hmm i wonder if it's it's so regimented right like mm. christianity is regimented generally but like of the Christian faiths, like Catholic, I feel like it's the most <laughs> most rigid. So I think, I think it's just like a cultural change of you know not wanting that structure, perhaps, or or not being able to so so invest yourself in something that is so rigid. And I think like moving to a different Christian faith, which a lot of a lot of Catholics do, or a lot of Latino former Catholics do works better right with formulating your beliefs and your your lifestyle like there's this idea within catholicism that you don't interpret the bible right mm -hmm. the pope the church interprets the bible for you and like you don't have necessarily like that 
that deep personal relationship. Well, you do. You have a deep personal relationship with God, but like you can't just have it in your own home. Like you have to go to church as part of it. And I think that was something that <laughs> as an eight-year-old I brought up with my mom of being like, I don't understand. Like, why can't we just, you know, talk to God anywhere? <laughs> She's like, that's yeah. not how it is. And mm-hmm. so I think that's that's something that's like for for a lot of people leaving the church and joining other sects of Christianity. Hmm. Do you do you feel like there's any like judgment within your culture for not participating since it is you said it's so ingrained within your culture? Yeah, I think it's I mean, one here I am putting this out on the internet, but I'm not like out to my grandmother even though mm. like I've, you know, I've clearly not been confirmed but she it's not something i've ever talked about with my with any of my family that i'm Mm. not catholic and that i'm (laughs) agnostic except for my mom my mom's the only one and my sister but even then it was like it was when i was like 15 and i was like i just don't think that's what i believe So that was like as far as we've ever had that. And like even in the years since, in the years of my adulthood, you know, she she never talks to me like I'm not a Catholic, even though she's like, I know that's like not what you believe. But like, we got to go to church. And I'm like, okay, go to church. She's like, oh, that's nice. I'll get in the car. And like, I can't. Like, I feel the pressure to get communion and, like, to do all these things. Like, I, f- I have all these pressures, but it's, like, never something. And it doesn't seem like it's worth a fight to me <laughs> with my family mm. to say that I'm not, that it's not, like, part of who I am. And also, the flip side is, like, culturally, I, I believe in it so strongly that I feel like if I were to have children, I would have them baptized Catholic. Like so I don't know it's it's a weird a weird thing and and I don't think I am unusual in within no. like millennial chicano culture. No, I I think that is actually incredibly common. I have seen people like they have not they didn't even have a church wedding, but their child will be baptized. And I find that like so interesting that there's always like this but what if? Because I do feel like it's very culture it's just what you do, but if you there's not even like a shred of being like, well, maybe there is something to this. Let me just make sure. Because you take the most precious thing in your life, which is your child, to protect them. And you do that. But there is still also like there's a celebration. There's the white gown. There's, you know, people coming and wishing well. Like there's this there's this duplicity of this act. And you're completely right. Like I see it more times than not. Um, in England, that's actually same thing of like people who ride that line of, atheism and uh being agnostic as well and this you know this country that really is like the church of england which is kind of like their version of catholicism the same thing of people who are like i haven't been a ch- it's called a c of e i haven't been this c of e in a long time but i still want either a church wedding or my child to be baptized it's a really interesting concept yeah no i definitely did not have a church wedding um <laughs> <laughs> What? <laughs> yeah. Though my husband was also baptized Catholic, though he did not grow up Catholic. So I guess we could have had a church wedding. I guess you could have. That would have been interesting. You know, except for like <laughs> the seven years of living in sin beforehand. <laughs> 
but honestly though like girl it you're not like i'm really we're like we're gonna have a church wedding mate but you've been living together for like 12 years you're like basically common why at this point but it's that kind of like that same this is just what you do you know what i mean it's very very interesting um but I, I do think that that is more common than not, I feel like, in America anyway. You know, I have, like, candles with, like, the Santos in them in my house. Like, I'm, <laughs> it's, a, it's like a strange, and, I, and I'm well aware of the strangeness of of all of it. But I don't know. It's, you know, like, I feel like if I were to give those things up, I'm giving up a tie to my culture. Mm. Is it? So we often try to talk about like, what is it also like for mixed people? So you also have a Choctaw background that I know you've talked about before, not really being very connected to, but within that, within the Native American culture, there's a whole other religious side to it that is different Mm. from Catholicism. What is that like? You said that you would feel like you'd be ripped away if you took away some of the Catholicism. What what is that balance? Are Are you... Oh, what am I trying to say? Are you? How do you feel about the religious side of, of Native Americans and the practices? I am not. I am not an authority to speak on such things, but I mm. think that there is a natural tie to place and to the earth within indigenous cultures uh, throughout throughout the world and there's there's definitely even some religions you know that are entirely based on off of that idea like mm-hmm. shintoism comes to mind in japan right like that's like completely tied to nature and the earth and i think a lot of indigenous religious practices or spiritual practices are are like that around the world. And I think I feel that, but once again it was like not something I was I was necessarily raised with and I'm so far removed from like my ancestral home on mm. my father's side. Our tribe is in Oklahoma and so that's post Trail of Tears, right? So it's already like I'm removed from the place where they were removed to from another place. Yeah. Like it's, <laughs> exactly. it's a very Yeah, it's a very strange thing, but I think in a broader sense, I feel like you know, as an indigenous person of the Americas, like I feel very like tied to to that um, mm-hmm. and hyper aware of that and of my connection to other indigenous peoples from here. And I know this isn't the immigration episode, but like no. <laughs> that's part that's part of what really gets me about about this like immigration string in the U.S. right mm-hmm. now um, is like these people have these ties to the land and it's not just, you know, it's because where you were born and where your family was from, but it's also like a deeply spiritual, deeply religious tie to the land. Mm. And historically, you know, people from the Americas have kind of like moved throughout the Americas. And the fact that there's fucking white people, colonizers holding the keys, telling people they cannot come into this country just makes me, nauseous so i know that's like i stepped onto a different platform in response to your question but like i guess the that's like my feelings is it's more like like broad Mm. 
less specific in that sense. Um, and part of it too is is my father was very removed from that religion, mm-hmm. that spiritual beliefs. I've mentioned that my father is also mixed race, right? He's he's Native American and white, and he grew up a lot of his his life with mostly his mother who is who is white. So he was already removed from that. So then I'm removed from that as well. And when I was a, a young kid, when my parents were still married, like my mother would take me to church and my dad wouldn't go to church. So like he got to sleep in on Sundays. I mean, he worked nights to be fair, but so like, I don't know, I guess on, on my dad's side, I've always figured like, eh, there's like no religion, <laughs> but that's not true. I know it's not true. Mm, interesting. That's really interesting. While I am unusual within my family, I do not think I am unusual within larger society, particularly with with our age group, I guess. Oh, yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. I think I feel more now that I feel America is more once you get we talked about off air that people would say that we are a Christian nation. And as a Christian, I'd be like, I'm going to go ahead and disagree. I feel like we're very much like a Maj Podge, like. I really do feel like, and, I, and of course, I don't want to be like, you know, a, a label that have been like, oh, people have turned away, whatever. But I do think people are finding like, okay, maybe traditional religion doesn't work for me. So I like this aspect. It's a little bit of naturalism. It's a little bit of yoga. It's a little bit of Orthodox Judaism. Like, and it's kind of all becoming like jambalaya for people kind of basing off like their moral backgrounds which is Mm. is kind of does that make sense of like yeah i i still need like a moral spiritual code to live by but i don't want to necessarily dedicate to anything so i'm kind of finding a lot of people really like oh i'm kind of making like my own way of being accepting but not exclusive it's it's, Uh. it is really interesting to watch from like the outside of being like so you can't say there isn't a higher power entity but just committing to one is where I'm finding like the sticking point being kind of off a little bit, mm. I think. But but like I said, I, I feel it more common. Yeah. And I mean, I also, and this is a, a big point of disagreement and, and where I ride that agnostic atheist line. I'm like, I'm also feel fine with like people saying there is no higher entity. <laughs> like, I mm. think that's fine. And but I, I agree. Like, I do not think it's obviously I agree that it's it's any <laughs> it doesn't serve any good by saying like this is our God as a country, mm-hmm. particularly in a place as complicated as the U.S. Um, yes. Since we are so diverse in all sorts of ways, it doesn't make any sense to me for that. It doesn't. There is this misconception of like atheist heathens, right? Who mm-hmm. who, can't, who are terrible people because they have no moral code. And I don't believe that's true. I feel like most people have some sort of moral code, whether it's based in religion or not. Well, I, well, that's another thing when you, like I said, when you're looking at it of like, why as a Christian, why do I not want to say they were a Christian nation? Because I think a lot of people want to put a lot of sub groups underneath that massive umbrella. And I think there's one of those things of this country being based upon the fact of people trying to escape religious oppression. And I feel that as much as, of course, I want to tell people, you know, what I believe, what I believe to be the truth and the light. Part of it is, is like, what we build this nation on is if they don't accept that. 
we literally cannot make them. And I feel a lot of people are branching out and, and finding that and exploring that and celebrating that. And it's up to, I feel like for us as, as for someone who believes a separation of church and state, like they have that right to do that. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And I think, like you said, there's no harm in kind of building your own, like, like I said, I'm not a spiritual person, so I don't really have like a spiritual base necessarily aside from this weird like Catholic influence in my life, I guess. Mm -hmm. But even then it's not on a spiritual level so much that it's influencing me. But I, I think people building some sort of like hodgepodge of spiritual beliefs is fine. I certainly have my feelings about appropriation within that. Mm. Picking and choosing is okay. But I would say something that I find very important about organized religion is the sense that there is like a built-in community. And I think that that's something that all people need is community. So I think religion is is one way to find that community in a really lovely way. Mm. Like, and for me, I feel like I'm kind of on the opposite. Like I kind of have an issue with the hodgepodge because I feel like religion isn't a salad bar um, uh. and trying to fit something that kind of just goes around you to fit and ticks all your boxes. I feel like there's like the lack of structure. It's like, well, why don't you just go do your own thing without putting it in the label or boxes of it and because uh, my background was catholicism my mom is very beautifully catholic and we uh, kind of the same thing i you know had my first holy communion i was also baptized um you know it's just what you know at least like where we live that's what everyone did <laughs> and um and kind of about the same thing in high school you have like a lot of questions of just like there's this thing called the bible like i've never personally read it but apparently it's important like what's up with that or why am I going to another human being to like confess all my sins? I'm 11, but I have to sit there and like tell him everything I've ever done wrong. And I'm supposed to pray on this necklace and it's supposed to be all like okie dokie. It was just like a lot of questions I had and kind of the same thing of them not really getting any answer. And my church, my family as a whole, because of uh, just feeling some prejudice against my brother who had special needs, we stopped going for a long time. Um, as I got older, we had a very um, traumatic event happen to where my dad, who never used to go to church with us, started saying, we need to go back. Now, I'm in college now. Like, I've kind of been like, yeah, there is a God, but, you know, I was going through a lot. And I'm just like, I just don't understand how that relates to my life. And so it's like, it, I wasn't really going and participating, but kind of like that family pressure, I, I went and as like a 18 year old got confirmed. <laughs> so it was like me and like all like the teenagers. It was very humbling, um, like going and, and doing that and still having loads of questions. And the more questions I asked, the more, the more I felt kind of on the outside of that community. I felt like the more questions I asked, I kept getting further pushed and pushed away to the point to where I just kind of like walked away from it for quite a long time. It was just, I felt like, okay, this just wasn't for me. And, um, and through my own way and, and through talking with friends and, um, it's like such a ridiculously long story, nothing to really put into the podcast. I, um, I became a Christian in like a non-denominational church. I guess you would put it underneath the arc of evangelical. 
Um, it was really based around having like a relationship with Jesus. And they're like, here's a Bible and you can read it and you have the ability to translate what it is. And, and like you said, have that community. And um, it was something like I actually tried to deny for quite a long time. You know, I was in theater. I was also into science and everything has a rhyme and reason. But no matter how much research and people I I, I talked to, it was just something I really couldn't deny. And it just kind of became like the, the basis of, of my life. And it's just been something, um, it's very much uh, a part of me. We talk about like, of your culture, it is like my identity. If people even ask me, I would even like, shockingly to say on the show, I would put it before like, who I am as a race, like I would be like, I'm a Christian who also happens to be, you know, mm. a black woman who also happens to be a wife and a mom, like, that would be like my foundational point, I think. I mean, which is probably a good thing because being brown is kind of a letdown sometimes in life. So like, like that, that's it. Like that's where I'm rooted and grounded into my life, which has led me to be, to have several, several weird adventures in my life. Yeah. That's, that's interesting that that's what you would like say is like the most like important role, but I guess it's not surprising thinking about how deeply, like how deep it is for, for some people. Mm-hmm. And I also found it very interesting that you talked about like your childhood religious experience being like pushed by your mother primarily, who who mm-hmm. who is white, because I know that just the statistics we were talking about this is the majority, like the vast majority of black Americans consider themselves religious, right? Like mm-hmm. what was it we said like eighty something, eighty-three percent are mm-hmm. absolutely certain there is a God and an additional 11% are fairly certain there is God. So that's 94% of black Americans believe in God. So it's like, it seems like it's such a part of the black experience, I guess mm-hmm. I would say in the US being religious, but I know you're part of the evangelical church and that's like always in the media as such a, like a white man's religion. So mm-hmm. I was just curious about about your thoughts on that. Do you find that that's that's true or how it how is it true or how is it not true? It's it's interesting because especially amongst, you know, Africans and African-Americans, um, for those underneath, like I said, that big Christian bubble, then there's going to be like Baptist and Protestant and Reformed and um, charismatic. Like there's literally like we talked, there's just so many underneath that umbrella. Um, predominantly people who are African-American will, will be underneath like either Protestant um, or Baptist, predominantly Baptist background to where that would be heavily influenced of like black culture and a lot of uh, gospel music inspired by Negro spiritual. You see the influence and then you go on to the evangelical church, which um, kind of came out of like the revival through the Bible Belt, really huge, like in the 60s and again in the 80s. And this is actually a very hot topic because yes, yes, I feel like there's very much a racial tension and divide within the evangelical church. You can see it from topics they decide to talk about, those they put in leadership, even to the music they decide to have in mm. worship. Right. There's this idea of like black church versus white church, right? And like mm-hmm. that's one of the stereotypes is like the music is so much better at a black church, right? Yeah. I, I mean, if you got soul, you got soul. But no, it's it, it, it's even beyond that. It's even like the content 
of what the music is saying as well. Mm. And um, I was actually listening to an interview about them talking about like um, Christian hip hop of like, why is it not played in like even uh, in mainstream churches? And uh, why is this not something that we are celebrating even within the community as well of, of, for black people? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I get told all the time, well, especially when I first become a Christian, that I picked the wrong team. Like, that's the white man's religion. That's where I'm going to. Like, why can't I go find mm. myself a nice black church? Like, if that's what you're going to do. So the church that you go to, well, you're not in the U.S. right now, but no. the, chur- the church that you're a part of, you you see it like there's more white people involved than, than black people. So do you find that true? Yeah, well, if we, we want to go, because it's almost unfair here, because I live out in the country in right. England. My church actually has, it's diverse n- for like nations. Like we have people who are from Poland. Um, we have people who are Portuguese and Brazilian. Um, of course, it's going to be dominated by white people. Um, and I think that's also another thing, too, with churches is like you have to look at the demographic of where you are. Like, like why right. don't you have any black people? I'm like, well, this is the middle of Kansas. But the church I went to back home in New Mexico, which is actually quite diverse in pockets, we would see most of the people who were for a long time in leadership are going to be white males. Mm. And a lot of people who were kind of like being poured into were also a lot of white males. When our church actually became and kind of conglomed with like another church becoming a Saudi campus, you kind of saw this more and more. We started getting connected to three churches and four churches and five churches. And it always kind of was the same. They looked the same. They talked the same. They carried themselves the same. There was this kind of divide on who was leading worship, who was doing the message, who was, you know, feeding and coming up as leaders as all kind of looking the same, which was very interesting. (laughs) I think that's not limited to evangelical. Like, that's kind of the, the narrative within the media is like, you know, the white evangelical church. But I think that it's true across Christianity. Like I I'm a little unclear about like evangelical versus Protestant and and that sort of thing. But I do know there is a church that's across the street from my work and it's a Presbyterian church and they just got a new pastor. So she came over to introduce herself and she is the first brown woman to be a pastor at that church and that church opened in 1910 like that's insane and and Uh I know like I come from the catholic church where like women can't even be priests um so so that's a whole other thing but Mm -hmm. but like that kind of blew my mind considering like the demographic of the people who go to that church like I know for a fact that that neighborhood it's heavily Latino so like the fact that and she even went to that church when she used to live in Albuquerque before she just moved back and she was saying that that like it's that that's crazy to her you know like that it's leadership doesn't match the demographics and I feel like that's a problem in religion I feel like that's a problem in politics that's just like a problem we're seeing across the board and I think there's been recently more more push against it and that's part of part of our issues within society as a whole right like as as we're pushing against these established uh, status quo uh, Mm -hmm. where you see like people getting upset Mm -hmm. 
well, that's the thing. So we've been talking about this. I feel like this is the perfect example of why we say representation matters. Because once our personal little church started getting someone who was just like, okay, this person is Hispanic and this person is Native, as someone who was kind of like in leadership, one, there's something about seeing someone who looks like you talk that gives you a little, even if it's just a slight sense of ease. So for example, if I'm coming to a church and I'm not particularly comfortable, my friend drove me like here with promise of brunch and I'm going out of respect, which, you know, for all my friends who have done that, I love you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> you have your friend who drags you there out of love, you go or whatever. And you are, you know, a person of color and you see somebody, a person of color there, and they're talking about an issue that's very near, that's bothering you, that's going on in the world, and you want to have some kind of clarity. And what does the Bible say about that? I would like to think that that person would have a little bit more ease and be able to receive that. And that would be helpful for them. Like right now, you know, you know, I am overseas in another country, but like my church is not going to talk about racially driven shootings going on. They're not going to talk about racial divides. It's just mm. not something that's on their radar. Mm. And, it, and it does. And it does make you feel kind of alone. It does have that. We talk about how important it is to have a community. Well, part of that is that we're supposed to rejoice with those who rejoice. We're also supposed to mourn with those who mourn. And I think if you have a leadership that is not in tune to what's going on with going on in their community, that kind of that can kind of get affected right there. It's really hard to mourn with those who mourn if you're not aware of what's going on. And so I'm kind of glad. I, I believe that there's now a bigger push now than ever to see diversity and be able to give space for those who are people of color, who are women of color. There's an amazing poet named Jackie Hill Perry. Um, she's a woman of color and she's been going to these churches. And I remember watching her in a panel and actually my husband called me out. I'm just like, what is she doing? This church is like super wonder bread, white bread. And he goes, well, good, because look, look at where she is. She's being an example. She's, she's creating that space. Mm. And I, I, to me, it was like, I was so not used to seeing that. I was like, what is she even doing there? But that's exactly where she needed to be. Like I was looking out, talking to hundreds of people, talking about her poetry and, you know, in a very, you know, raw poetic justice style in front of a lot of white people. But we're all supposed to have this thing in common. That's supposed to be our, our love for Jesus Christ. So should it matter? It shouldn't. But it kind of feels like it does. It's a really weird, interesting. It's very weird being a mixed woman in a church in general, I feel. Yeah. And I feel it now more than ever. You were talking about this lack of sense of really being tied to that community. Do you think that that's part of the reason why there's a lot of Black people who are converting to like African-based or non-Christian religions these days? I, you know, I, I really do for, you know, there, there's like a running gag within the church, especially like old school, you know, Christian movies of like Christian being or Jesus being portrayed as Swedish. He's always like blonde hair, perfectly quaffed, like clean, chiseled nose, high cheekbones. He just, he looked like a white guy and, and portraits that have been painted for you know, hundreds of years. He looks like a white guy. And when talked about it, especially like within white communities, it's never really discussed that he's actually Jewish and that he has Jewish features, which is would be darker skin, brown eyes, stronger nose, dark, probably coarse hair. And a lot of people would say, why does that matter? But when you do that, 
when they say like, you know, you're, you're whitewashing Jesus, you're talking about his ethnicity and what his background is. That, that says that this is the only way that we'd be able to worship this person is if he looks like us. Yeah. So coupled with not being able to talk about the racial issues within the Bible, which especially in the Old Testament, we're talking about there's racial persecution. There is slavery, people not wanting to use the word and actually not wanting to actually admit what's going on to the Bible and saying, oh, well, that was then. That's not now. Like, that's really hurtful to their brothers and sisters of color. Mm. And I, you know what I'm saying? And it's very difficult over and over and over again to keep getting glimpses of your oppressor or what they look like and the person that you're supposed to worship. Yeah. And can can we just talk about this for a minute? Um, because <laughs> sure. this is an episode about religion. Like, why is Jesus always portrayed as fucking white? Always. I don't know. I don't and know. And I guess it's not always. There's this uh, church that's near where my husband's grandmother lives. And it's very heavily Vietnamese church in my favorite thing is at oh. Christmas, they put up all these like Christmas lights and everything and including this giant picture outside of like Mary holding Jesus and they are Asian and it is my no. favorite thing in the world. <laughs> it's little Vietnamese baby Jesus. I love it. If you do not take a picture of that this year as your Christmas card, I'm leaving you. I'm leaving this relationship. That's all I want for Christmas. It's so amazing. I love it. And I think that that's part of it, right? It's like you don't want to look at someone as your oppressor who's supposed to be your savior. So mm -hmm. sometimes perhaps like Jesus is changed to, re change to represent the population. But more often than not, I feel like the pictures of like, Jesus or portrayals of Jesus in the media are always white Jesus. Mm -hmm. And he's like good looking guy. But the thing is, once again, going back to the Bible, they say he was nothing really to look at. He was a carpenter's <laughs> son. Like they say that. Like, oh, he's like he was supposed to be pretty basic looking. Exactly. He literally is supposed to be like, he's supposed to be very unassuming. Like a visa carpenter guy, like beat up, sun burnt. Like it's not supposed to be, you know, they always try to cast the most like handsome guy. Like I remember like watching the original 10 commandments cause it was always on during Easter on the TV. Cause this is back in the day when we had like seven channels, they always want to get like the most like dimpled chin kind of person with a horrific, like maybe a slight tan that was obviously sprayed on it's just that's just not accurate so on top of not talking about the issues going on especially dealing with race between not portraying jesus correctly in the bible and then not i guess not really embracing community outside of your own ethnicity these are kind of like the layers where people are like where i don't fit into this i don't mm. there's not a place for me or my melanin and so, I mean, there have been times where uh, church services, there was like a couple of reports where people from like the um, African-based religions are kind of like taking off or um, the uh, the black Hebrew Jews coming in and saying like, hey, mm. you know, we need to reclaim back our land. Like we are actually really God's promised people. We need to follow us because there's promise of like coming up. There's that there's that promise of prosperity. Do right. you know what I mean? And uh, I mean, because like I said, we before, like there's a large amount of the populace of African-Americans who are religious. 
And I think we talked about before that ties of being like this oppressed people group of leaning into this savior and how important it is to the fabric of the people. And so what do you do when people feel like there's no place for them within evangelical Christianity? Well, they're going to go try to find a place. They're not ready to give up on God, but they're kind of done with the people. It, it's actually, I was I uh, was also um, reading and listening to uh, a rapper named Lecrae. He's actually quite influential. He's had a couple of like crossover hits, but he's also a Christian rapper. And he was actually very transparent about saying he was, you know, thinking about leaving the faith and just talking about it was the people. And he had a lot of ties within like the white evangelical church. And there was a moment where he kind of like stepped away because there is, he was tired of seeing black men being killed in cold blood, but the church kind of not being the first ones speaking out about this injustice. And it's like, Hey, that that's me. That could have been me. Right. And not getting, and not getting that. And so there has been a lot of people with influence within, you know, with the grouping of people of color kind of speaking out of being like, Hey, I don't know by you not saying anything, you're actually saying a lot. Like you're not willing to speak at the pulpit about these issues. And, um, but I, I, I do have hope. I really, really do have hope that, um, like I said, Dr. Eric Mason has written uh, several books about woke church and a lot of, uh, black podcasters are speaking out and being quite bold to their white brothers and sisters of being like, not only should we be talking about this, but we should be the first out there. Do you know what I mean? About yeah. what's going on racially. Like we need to have bringing that message of not hope and peace, but demanding justice in a way that I believe Jesus would be. Social justice should be a mm-hmm. key part of the religious experience. Like just the term social justice was originally mm-hmm. coined by a Jesuit priest in mm-hmm. 1840s. Like, like it should be a part of religion, right? It should be. And I, and I think right now we're hearing a lot of voices of a lot of people who are, <laughs> so we're going back to the statement of us being a Christian nation. I don't know what kind of nation we are. It is not a Christian one. And it's not saying in judgment. It is just saying in a place to where there's a lot of people who are using like the name of Jesus to justify their hot mess. <laughs> and I think that's why I say that we're not a Christian nation, but that's why we're calling for people who actually have like a relationship with Jesus, who actually read their Bible to have conversations, to be out there on the front line, um, calling out for women to be loved and to respected, uh, to be part of like campaigns like me too, to be part of, you know, black lives matter and be out there and be very, very bold about it. Because I believe Jesus would be. He talks about like the meek will be inheriting earth. If we're trying yeah. to act, yeah, and, and that's why we want to like us being on both sides of it. We both want justice to be served, and and I think that's why like I loved having these conversations with people because they may not agree with me that Jesus exists, but we do agree that there's injustice in the world, and that's where I put my hope in. You know what I mean? I think part of my issue and part of a lot of people's issue is. Not saying that there aren't people out there doing good things in the world in the name of Jesus, because there are. But I think the people who are loudest about, like, mm-hmm. this is God's teaching, this is what Jesus wants, are people, like you said, using it to to justify their hot mess or using it to justify hatred and terrible things. <laughs> like, yeah. it's like, 
all of us know, like so many of us know, even though the U.S. is not a Christian nation, there is a certain level of cultural competency in understanding Christianity that I think comes along with being American because it's mm-hmm. like so, so widespread within our country. Like, yeah, everyone knows that Jesus was not about hate and exclusion and terrible things. And yet you're over here using using his words like like Jesus hates gay people. Like you you sound ridiculous. Oh, I know. You sound I know. It's ridiculous. Abs- yeah. it, it does. And that's it's feeling their own agenda. Does, does that make sense? And the mm-hmm. thing is, like, I know some people for even for me, like, and being completely transparent, I am confused of like, for why the church is saying certain things. But the thing is, until then, I love you. Come eat at my table. Come in our church. And let's talk about it. Because guess what? Having sex before you get married is also a sin. Why aren't people saying like, you know, that why aren't people picketing buildings where people are living together before they're getting married? Like, I don't like the picking and choosing. And that's what I'm saying. If you're going to truly believe in something, mm. believe in it's in whole in its entirety. You don't get to pick and choose. And I'm that's the exhausting part is just seeing people harp on it. Like people calling Trump a Christian actually makes me physically ill. But right. I feel like that's what's being represented. And that's what people are saying that that's and, the standard. But these are the same people who are calling Obama Muslim when he oh, like goes to church. I don't I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand. But that's part of it, girl. Oh, my goodness. I know we're getting ahead of ourselves. But like when we talked about like, so what next? Like, educate yourself. Educate yourself. Like, yeah. I, I literally, I, I cannot stress that enough. Even like in the show, I was just reiterating, making sure that I know the difference between someone who is agnostic and someone who's atheist, but you would not understand how many people don't understand that there is actually a difference between the two. If you don't understand how Islam works, you should probably read a, I don't know, a two minute Wikipedia page and get the gist of it all. You don't have to have like um, an associate's degree in religious studies to go back and just say, Hey, let me make sure I kind of understand before I enter in conversation or speak about something religious. I mean, that's a general thing. Like stop talking about shit. You don't know. Unless, <laughs> unless you're open to actually learning about that shit that you don't know, like maybe you should yeah. be talking about it. Um, so yeah, spiritual versus religious. Oh, like, I, I do. I, I hear that so much of just like, I'm more spiritual, but to me, that's like oatmeal. Like there are certain terms within the, like, I don't like people who say I'm like religious. Cause even people would call me religious. I'm like, I'm not, I have like I have actual like relationship with Jesus because Jesus hated religious people. And then there's people who say I'm spiritual. It's saying like, you want all like the benefits without any of like the discipline mm. of it. And I think that's where I'm like, okay, cool. Because the thing is, like, I do believe for the most part, a lot of people, gosh, this is probably generalization as well. I believe a lot of us are like, murder is bad. We shouldn't murder. I don't need a religion to tell me that thou shall not kill. I'm like, you know, you're, you're totally, totally right. But within, like, what I believe is that they take it up to that next, like, note of being like, hey, if you even have a really harsh, mean thought about somebody you have murdered them in your mind. And so it's like they get to have the spiritualism and be like, hey, you know, I think you should be a kind person, a giving person. But there's like that other notch of just being like, but what about, you know, your thoughts and having that accountability? Because what happens if you are being cruel? Like you don't have that tie or that tether. You don't have someone been like, hey, you know, I'm struggling to 
to be kind and have good thoughts because you've made up your own hodgepodge of what you believe in. And I admire people who want to have that connection because I love having those conversations, but I think that's becoming more and more prevalent of, like I said, wanting the benefits without any kind of accountability. And so I think it's just like that millennial, which I guess we're technically underneath that kind of talk that we have, that there are certain phrases I think get overused. And I think spiritual, I am a spiritual person is kind of like one of them, if I'm being completely honest. But I have Mm. so much love and respect for people who are searching. And there's like the seeking people who are kind of like searching for that because we were, I think a lot of people are there or have been there. So there's like the respect that you are searching. But for people who are like, I have like, I've made like my own and it works for me. And I'm like, well, I mean, love to you, but why then? Yeah. If you can be moralistic on your own. I just don't care. (laughs) People people can say whatever they want. I don't, I really don't care as long as you're not a dick. That's, that's my moral standpoint is don't be a dick. (laughs) Anything else is fine. Harmon, like we just like we meet in a beautiful harmony way of just being like <laughs> even Christians, like believe what you want to be- like say what you say, but don't be a dick about it. Because honest, I love you. I know some Christians who are also dicks, and you want to talk about like things that are <laughs> those things are not separate. I know some like some people need to get need to get a grip and live in the world for a little bit. So we meet in harmony of that. So so is is that like our big takeaway? Is just don't be a dick (laughs) i guess so like if you were to take away anything i guess there's room for conversation like you and i had just had a conversation and i still love and respect you very much and my goal wasn't to try to convert you it was telling the truth and your goal that was your goal you would never achieve that goal (laughs) like you know and that's and that's fine like i feel like you can still have a conversation with a person and still be like no one's gonna change my mind Yeah, I think that's fine. Well, I think I think that's the thing. I guess my takeaway would be when we're talking about this, especially when something like religion is like a religion's going to be hard to talk about because it is going to have some racial tension and background. So don't Mm. think the two are separate. So that's one of my takeaways. Yeah, yeah. my second takeaway is like if you're going to have a a conversation about the existence of God, whether you are for it or against it. You cannot do it with the motivation of trying to convert or change that person's mind. It should right. always be done in a way of like of trying to get information and understanding. If I only talk to people about Jesus Christ, because like I'm gonna get you, I'm going for convert you, you're gonna be in the front pew, yada. If that like that's not loving. If I'm just not telling them been like, hey, there there's this person and he loves you very, very much. And I want to tell you about how he's changed my life and you can take it or leave it. Like that's really love and that's real consideration. Mm. And if you were talking to me of being like, hey, actually, I think there's a wide gap. And you know, this has been my personal experience. And and if you weren't trying to just say that I'm a, a moron or, you know, I'm missing it or you were trying to, you know, demystify what 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 I'm going through. If you're honestly just trying to give me your truth and your experience and ask questions, like that's having a respectful conversation. You're not trying to change my mind and I'm not trying to change yours. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, and this is totally a Eurocentric point of view perhaps, but I feel like most people could get behind 
even if you don't believe in Jesus. Like most people can get behind like Jesus's message is a good message, right? Like, like it just, you know, it's when you get down to the heart of it, it's like preaching being a good person. And I, mm. I feel like most people wouldn't disagree with that. Girl, somehow they would. Yeah. I don't know. Don't be a dick. That's don't my be a dick. If you can try. <laughs> educate yourself, be understanding, and have open conversations. Like yeah. it will enrich your life. And let me tell you, like the re- there's a reason why they say don't talk about these things. I'm gonna disagree with it. You shouldn't talk about it incorrectly. Mm. There we go. So I feel like I'm pretty good. So should we get mad at the internet now? I think we have to get mad at the internet. Like, hang on, let me go get my Bible. (laughs) (laughs) We were, we had a tagline about trying to keep things holy, but then it it was like borderline, maybe sacrilege. We couldn't decide, but yeah, now I'm excited. We should get, let's get mad. So this week we're getting mad. By the time this comes out, this will be old news, but yeah. I'm sure something like this will happen again between mm-hmm. now and then. Um, so we saw something posted on Facebook that has since been deleted. Um, mm-hmm. That's how you know it's good. That's how you know it's good. All right. I'll, I'll describe it and read it. So mm-hmm. there is it's a picture of a high school classroom on the board it says homeroom think we have about half a million americans die in our civil war which was largely to get rid of slavery there is there are no longer separate water fountains and bathrooms in jacksonville for white and colored as mr goodman remembers from the 60s we had an amendment to the us constitution allowing women the right to vote. We have had a black president. The superintendent of Duval schools is a black woman. Mr. Fluent, our principal, replaced a black man. Mr. Simmons, who is now a DCPS administrator. My point? You are all extremely lucky to be living in the U.S. If you refuse to stand during the Pledge of Allegiance or our national anthem, are you revealing maturity and wisdom? Actually, you are displaying the opposite as some. Oh, this is where it's like hard to read. But it was like something about uh, athletes and celebrities. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So so that's that was the image that was posted. um, And it was originally posted by like a parent of one of these students. And it said something like my daughter sent this to me and what we're supposed to be like grateful (laughs) <laughs> black people in the society <laughs> or something and women oh, black people and yeah. women so uh tell me your feelings girl girl what <laughs> uh so first of all first of all this is like it looks like a homeroom yeah yeah obviously. it says homeroom at the, the top yeah yeah it's, it's a homeroom this and, and that's like from what i remember this is when they would play like the 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 pledge of allegiance or whatever which I feel very strange, even like doing it, 
I think, like, if you look at it, it is very, very strange to see a bunch of children just standing It's, it's creepy is what it is. It's like, creepy. say what you will about the Pledge of Allegiance. Some people very, feel very strongly about it. But, like, if you break down mm-hmm. just just the concept. What it says? Well, just the concept, <laughs> not even what it says. Like, the fact that you're supposed to stand and put your hand over your heart while looking at a flag is a little creepy and weird and something that they don't do in most other nations not ones that we want to be like (laughs) so the the thing about this is that it's obviously it feels whether this teacher believed it or not it does feel very sexist and racist because he basically he gave examples of civil war and with with women so this is obviously directed towards that demographic he's basically just calling a bunch of people of color and women ungrateful for his own personal agenda. You have got to be kidding me. That's not what whiteboards are for. (laughs) (laughs) How dare you misuse the pleasure of whiteboards for your ridiculous, heinous measure. Feel how you want to feel because that's the joy of living in. Because I feel like these people, like you should be lucky that you get to sit there and spout off your ridiculous agenda and garbage, despite how you feel about it. Like, as an educator, unfortunately, that's not the time and place you get oh, to do that to your students. It's a marine biology classroom. Oh, of course. Why in the world would I thought that might have been government? Something that might have been slightly relevant. That would be so weird. Of course, you need that for wildlife. Like you've got to be kidding me. I'm, I'm, I'm so, I'm so frustrated. I'm so glad. Like the mom was just like so. Black people should be thankful. I was like, way to go, woke mom. Way to go, woke mom. I can't, I don't, I don't know. Thoughts, feelings? Oh, yeah. It just, it made me angry. <laughs> like, it just made me so angry for the reasons you said. It feels racist. It feels sexist. Also, like, should be these fucking kids right to not stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. It's part of what the U.S. is about, right? We're allowed to dissent. You know, that's part of this country. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I told you when we, we shared this earlier this week that it reminded me of when I was in high school and I refused to stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. Mm-hmm. And this was in a, a class my my senior year, an economics class. And I got into it with the teacher mm-hmm. and it was he was just like increasingly angry and like i guess he had like served in the military and took it as like a personal attack on him that i didn't stand and i was just very calmly trying to explain like we've just declared war on iraq yeah because that was our senior that was our senior year i'm like i do not agree with the actions that this government is taking and the fact that like i'm supposed to stand here and just like pledge blind allegiance to this flag that is being flown for things that I disagree with in other countries like it doesn't feel right to me and he would just like so angry and then I'm like but I I respect that you did this service or whatever but like isn't that part part of what you're upholding is my right to do this right now like he just did not did not like Mm -hmm. that at all um so I feel like it's this this core difference, right, of like people expect this like blind patriotism and like in the case of this teacher feeling grateful for all we have rather than any sort of attitude of like, no, we aren't perfect. And I don't want <laughs> like 
like, I don't know. It's just, it's so weird. Mm-hmm. Well, for, for me, I think that teacher missed an opportunity to have a conversation. Yeah. Like how would have been for your, that teacher had been like, Hey, you know what? Like I, I have served and what your actions are saying to me, like how, what, what a difference that would have made instead of him getting angry was for him to take you out and to have a conversation. He might not have changed your mind, but how much more memorable would that have been? Instead of being like, I get it, like, especially in that moment, it was so fresh and so raw. And, um, you know, I didn't know Florida was like that, but, you know, which is where this took place. But that teacher is missing an opportunity. You just sat there and silently lectured your class instead of wondering, like, why these kids feel this way, why they're disenchanted. Are they just following celebrities? Do they literally just don't want to stand? Is that a laziness? Do they actually have a political agenda? You are an educator. You missed a moment to educate. Like that would have been such a great conversation to have with your class, something that they would be able to take with them. And now what happened to him? What happened to you and your job? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's and this is something we talked about also is that tricky line of like, as an educator, what is your your place? Right. And uh, it's definitely not your place to impose your beliefs and values on your students. Mm -hmm. Like it's your place to open up their minds and allow for discussion and definitely to like teach them and educate them about certain things. But like this doesn't feel like educating. This is clearly Mm -hmm. like opinion. Like (laughs) Exactly. It's berating. You basically you just basically scolded these children. And what have they learned? You know what I mean? They're just going to buck up against you if you were trying to like open minds and change them and which is what you're supposed to be doing. Like, and if you're struggling that much, talk, talk to another teacher. You're not going to get through. You just became a meme or whatever you are. Like, that's what you did. That was your mark on history. Good job. Are you proud of yourself? Like, I know people have a lot of feelings and we're always open to it. But like we said before, there's always a way to do it. And it does take a minute to just sit and breathe. And how is this going to pan out? Did he really think scribbling something on a whiteboard, a kid was going to be like, you know, I am lucky. I'm going to go ahead and stand. Like, what, what? What do you think was going to happen from that? Everyone's going to rise up and be like, we, a, a newfound sense of patriotism. Like, what, what was the goal? You just had feelings and you need to get them out. That was the goal. You didn't want to change minds and hearts. You, you were right. angry. And I mean, I feel like it's fucking cowardice to, to use your position mm. of power to like express your feelings that way. Like he's in a position of power. He has no right to like throw his little hissy fit up on a board. That's ugh. Ugh. a beautiful, beautiful whiteboard. Beautiful whiteboard <laughs> for a fucking white man. <laughs> Gosh, are we assuming he is? Are we just. I, I mean, wouldn't he have said, I'm a black man? Or something, because he like pointed out all the other black people around in positions of power. He did. He's just he's like, he's like, they're a brother. I'm a brother. I'm standing. That actually, I probably would have stand after that. I'm like, you right. <laughs> <laughs> Message received. <laughs> oh, Danny, I need I need a happy place now. Okay, let's do it.
what brought you happiness from this week? Well, here's my happy place. And I, I've missed the opportunity to talk about it for a while because um, mm. I keep forgetting. So I'm glad that I remembered this week. So yes. in my neighborhood, there oh, is a cat that lives around the corner from me. Mm. The first time I saw this cat, I was having a really bad day and I was walking and this cat hobbles across the street. And I say hobble because this is a fucking fat three-legged cat. Yes, queen. And he is amazing. I was having a bad day and I was walking down the street and this cat like, or maybe I was biking to work and he like hobbles out in front of me, just doing his thing, giving no fucks, living his glorious life. Yeah. And I was just like, how can I be upset when there's this awesome cat so i love this cat and he became like this this myth almost talking talking about this cat all the time to my husband and i think he didn't believe me that it was real and then the other day he finally saw him for the first time when we were walking and he was like that cat was amazing and he like crossed the street went over to his house there was like a really grumpy guy looking like hanging out there Mm -hmm. and like four other cats just being fat lounging around and Ian was like that was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen this cat is amazing I love it I am love me a cat with some junk I don't know there's somebody and then a three-legged one on top of that yeah it's just being that's a not boss. Your mascot yeah he was just <laughs> amazing I love so, this cat back leg missing front leg missing oh man um I like I can't is even that fat well, he's fat. Um, I think it's one of his front legs. Front legs. Okay. Front leg. Okay. I'm trying to get like the whole mental picture. What kind of cat? Uh, he is like a light colored cat with spots, with splotches. Oh, feeling it. Yeah. Short all right, hair. Have you, all, have you all gave him a pseudo name? Uh, I mean, I just refer to him as King Cat, but. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> That is absolutely amazing. Danny, I don't know how you've been able to keep that from me for so long. I know. I'm so happy I remembered. <laughs> I'm so glad. I, you would love it here because cats, like, in New Mexico, you have to be very careful because of coyotes. Like, mm. people are a little bit more, like, I think at least I was hesitant to let my cat out because we live close Oh, we to have mountain. a lot of cats that just kind of free roam in our neighborhood, actually. Mm-hmm. But um, um, it's it's definitely a defining characteristic of the neighborhood. I wouldn't say it's typical. <laughs> Exactly. And so I think a lot of people where, you know, I used to live in New Mexico, but here they, there's no natural predators. So they run this. Like I have often been woken up by literal cat fights, like actual legitimate gang fights with cats in the street. It's hilarious. Um, but one cat actually, like I was getting groceries out of the car, came busting up in my house. This poor cat, like long story short, we found out like once we found out where he belonged, he has Alzheimer's and he's getting confused. Oh, poor kitty. I know. I know. But my daughter like absolutely fell in love with him. And we kept, we're just like, keep giving him names every time. We're just like, oh, Willard's confused again. Um, Walter, we can't find where he is again. Like he's a really old cat and I will give him chicken. But it's very, very sweet. <laughs> oh, cat, cats, they just think they own everything and I'm not against it. Yes. Because you're a cat person. Boom. <laughs> What's your happy place, Tamika? How, <laughs> how dare you expose me? 
I don't, I'm, I'm very confused right now for someone who's always grown to be a dog person. I think my husband may have, can, I, I'm not ready to expose that right now. I feel now. like we talked about this, that he, he kind do. of has converted you. I know. And I'm really upset about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, oh, cause there's also a ginger cat that follows me and my daughter on the school runs in the morning. Sorry. Done. All right. That's my last cat moment. Anyway, All right. Talk um, about your happy place. What's your happy place? My apparently is random cats in the woods. Um, actually my happy place was I took, speaking of my daughter, we went to the science museum in London Ooh, cool. this past week. Yeah. And I realized how freaking giddy I get about going to museums. Like I actually, when we go overseas to different countries, I will look for a museum like or an aquarium, especially a science one. If there's a science museum, we're totally going. Like I've been one to in the Netherlands, I've been one in Spain. Like I think, did I go? Oh, we went on one Scotland. Scotland was amazing. Um, yeah, I really, really, and I say I'm like, oh, I get to take my daughter, but it's kind of also secretly for me. Um, but yeah, it was just really enjoyable. They had like a new space exhibit because it was the anniversary when we landed on the moon, and so they had like lunar modules and old uniforms and the history of it and like seeing my daughter be really excited, like hyperly. You would think we took her to freaking Six Flags or Disney World. She was telling everyone we were on the train, like people were getting our tickets, like I'm going to the science museum. We're on the tube. People on the tube don't want to talk to you in London. Like mm. it's, it's, or you're cramped. Everyone's got a place to be. And just like anyone that passed her, I'm going to the science museum. It was That's like the cute. coolest thing. It was dang cute. And we get there and she's just like pinging everywhere. She wants me to read everything. It was, it just makes you enjoy it that much more. And um, I, I was meeting my friend up there. It was just like a really cool day. But I realized like I want to go back and do the natural history one sometime soon while she's still out of school. But yeah, people go to museums. They're normally fairly either not free, but fairly affordable. And people put a lot of work into them and exhibits change. And um, I think it's something that people don't automatically think of like, hey, what do you want to do today? I don't think people are like, hey, girl, let's hit up a museum. Today. Okay, we'll get brunch, hit up a museum. Like, I just don't think people do that enough. Yeah, I we were actually just talking about that, me and my husband, that like we really like museums and we so rarely rarely go. We love museums and we love art galleries and we love like those things that seem like not us. And maybe that's part of it. It's like mm. it just seems like not us. It seems like a rich person thing to do. I know that sounds stupid. Like no, it seems like hoity toity, like good we have a pass to the museum yeah oh. but but it's fun i love it but it's not a rich thing it's a us thing because for the most part they're fairly affordable so it should be like an us thing <laughs> totally totally it should be reclaim reclaiming my spare time right like i mean you mm -hmm. know who would not be bothered going to a museum it's king mm. cat <laughs> be all up in that I feel all like we just all history. need to aspire to be like him. He just does what he yeah. wants and gives no fucks. And, and eats what he likes. Yeah, I love day. him. I love him. Mm -hmm. I also love a museum. <laughs> this was a good week for happy things. It was. <laughs> mm -hmm. Museums and fat cats. Yes. But we have <laughs> talked a lot and we need to wrap it up. We should. <laughs> So if you have thoughts or comments about 
religion or about the Pledge of Allegiance or about things that are making you happy, definitely let us know. You can reach us via email, biracialunicorns at gmail.com. You can also find us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, at biracialunicorns, and Twitter, at biracialmagic. Let us know if there's other social media we should have. Because mm-hmm, we'll probably certainly. be pretty inactive on it, but we'll make an account. <laughs> we'll make it. We'll be, we'll be in the vicinity. Yes. We'll be there. I mean, we're yeah. active on Instagram, so that's the best yeah. way to reach us via social media. You should. All the young kids are on that anyway. Um, we want to thank our amazing artist, uh, Dolly Pop Art, for our amazing logo. Um, we also want to thank Joseph Scott of Citizens of Tape City for making our amazing music. Please Go uh, support them. Love all of their stuff because it's worth loving. Yes. And if you like our podcast, make sure you like and subscribe. Not Mm. like, just subscribe. Make sure Uh you subscribe to us via whichever podcasting application you use. I did recently hear from a friend that Spotify doesn't let you know when new episodes come out. so just keep in mind, we always release our new episodes on Tuesday. And next week, next Tuesday, we'll be back with a mini-sode. Mini-sode. Yes. And tell your friends. Yes. So get your friends to listen if you like the show, if you think someone else would like it too. So mm-hmm. we'll be back on Tuesday. Until then, peace. Out. Out.